This is the Empowered Conversations with Alina Christina podcast. We are two educators of color that have been in the game for over 15 years. Thanks for joining us as we break down and speak on systems that were not built for Black, Indigenous people of color and the ways we address them head on. As we lean on each other in this work, it would be big for us if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, follow us on the Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod, where we build community and support one another in this work. All right, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Conversations podcast with Alina and Christina. This is the first semester, period four. Christina likes it for me to say that. But for the first three, three periods or episodes, Christina and I have been introducing ourselves and sharing our why and our educational journeys. Um, Christina, how is your week going so far? Um, I keep on wanting to say today's a Wednesday because it, it just feels super <laughs> overwhelming. Um, so I know in my, at my school district, um, we are having a board meeting and this board meeting is about passing the, um, the hybrid schedule. So the admin team, we are just, our, our minds are, we're, we're kind of going like crazy right now. Um, it's, we're, we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've mentioned this before in all the other episodes, but we, we've been, we've been planning for a hybrid schedule. We, we've been planning for staff and students to come back. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. Like we're, our, our campus, we're, we're COVID ready. We got all the signs up. We got our protocols down. But you know, no matter how prepared you are, it's, it's scary. And especially since this is new for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, it, it feels like not just a Wednesday, but it feels like a Friday. It feels like a Friday in April. And if y- and y'all in education know what that means when I say <laughs> that it feels like April. So, but how are you, Aline? I mean, I have to agree with you 100%. Like, it feels, I don't know, kind of crazy right now. So, as of today, San Mateo County is now in the orange tier. Um, and so, within my district, that's that means that um, certificated, well, actually all staff members need to be back on campus next Wednesday. So it's like, okay, yes, everything's been been planned behind the scenes and we knew this time was coming and we're just kind of waiting for today to see what tier we'd be in. And so I'm, I'm kind of feeling like you on the sense of like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna look like. Um, I don't know. I still, I kind of, I'm going to be, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what it's like. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about it once we start transitioning back. Cause I don't necessarily know if it's the right time, but I guess 
you know, we have to figure that out once we're there. So we'll see. Yes, we shall see. We, we will ask each other again in like three, four weeks and ask how the whole hybrid thing is going. For sure. But Aline and I, uh, we are very excited for this episode because we have a former colleague, one of our homies, one of our co-conspirators as our very first guest. So if we had some drum roll, um, you would hear it right now. And because we would love to introduce one of our favorite educators, Miss Sarah Pipping. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having hey, me. Hey, Pipping. Hi. <laughs> well, Sarah, I feel like we could talk for hours and we definitely want you as a returning guest because I think there's just so much that we can unpack with you. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, we think about it since Christina and I started down this venture of holding collaborative conversations of, um, you know, doing a book study over the summer. We, we had you at each and every one of them, like you were there um, and engaging in these conversations with us, just, you know, supporting all the work and engaging in the work. And so I'm really excited that you're our first guest. So thanks. Here, here I am again. <laughs> yes, you're <laughs> here again. So why don't, why don't we do a check-in with you, Sarah? How are you doing? How's, how's your work week? And tell us why don't, that, do our little check-in, and then tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm doing good. This week, I always feel the same. I just like sent a text at the end of the day that was like, happy Wednesday. <laughs> Because we don't know what day it is. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but I'm good. I've it's a roller coaster. I had a really good day today and I had kind of like a rough day yesterday. And my my job's definitely different in terms of everything that's going on with kids coming back to school. I'm a little removed from that um in my position at the district, but um most of the time I get to just talk and and scheme great programming with uh the colleagues at OUSD, so it's good. But then other days it feels challenging. Um, like you're not really getting anywhere and it's too much talk and not enough action. So it's definitely a back and forth, but feeling fairly good. Um, yeah. And a little bit about myself. Where should I start? <laughs> back in Minnesota, uh, you know, I was going to say Minnesota. Yeah, no, I. I'm not from Minnesota, even though yes. Christina will always say that I am. I'm from that other state that everybody flies over, as you call it, the flyover states, Wisconsin. So um, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. There's a lot you could say about upbringings, but in terms of how I ended up over here working in Oakland and in, in schools is I was, um, I, I didn't get an education degree in undergrad, that wasn't my plan. And I was feeling intimidated about going into the world of science. I got a biology degree and I just like wasn't setting myself up when senior year came around to like, oh, I'll work for this lab or this lab. I, I just wasn't quite ready. And then I was thinking about ways I could take advantage of the quote unquote gap year, let's say, or do some service or do some travel. Because, you know, traveling's the best education in a lot of ways. Um, 
And I was telling my parents, you know, oh, maybe I'll do the Peace Corps. And my parents, which kind of shocked me, um, they were like, you know, you don't need to go very far to like do service. You know, it's like mm -hmm. enough you can do in, you know, where we live or just, you know, in your own country. So that really kind of shifted what I was thinking. And um, I got one of those meetings for the TFA, Teach for America. And I went to it and I applied and I got in and I took advantage of that opportunity. Um, and I think could talk a lot about that experience. I'm gonna kind of gloss over that. Maybe that's for another time. Uh -huh. But then I drove out here with my mom from Wisconsin to California and that was a beautiful trip. And I came out to a state where I didn't know anyone. Um, it's funny because I remember when I was, you get to rank in TFA where you might want to work and, um, or where you think you'd be a good, you do good service. And I put the Bay Area last. So you, you could list like 40 cities. And I put the Bay Area last because when I was little, I remember my mom bringing back a stack of postcards from San Francisco. And yeah. I would like take that. She never she didn't like write in them. She just bought the postcards and gave them to me. But I would like look at those pictures all the time of like the Bay and, and just how it looked over here. Mm -hmm. I was always enthralled by the area. And then of course you have like a lot of lore around Oakland and Berkeley um, as well as San Francisco. So growing up in the Midwest, you definitely hear about the Bay Area, but I ranked it last because I was like, if I go there, I don't think I'll ever move back or come back to the Midwest. And I wasn't sure if I was like at 21, ready to be like, that's it family. <laughs> oh, uh -huh. God. So, but for whatever reason, um, I ended up here because, you know, it's one of the biggest areas that they send service members because um, the population and everything. So came out here and then I got, there's a lot of funny stories about where I interviewed, um, the schools that I interviewed at and where I got offers from or where I would might've ended up, but I ended up at Skyline with you guys. So, uh, yeah, I could go well, who into in, Who interviewed you? I, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. Oh, I, I was um, a teacher back then. Uh, that would be Mr. Trin. Oh, wow. Mr. Oh, Trin. Wow. <laughs> yeah. okay. Do you want to know about the interview? It's kind of funny. Oh, please, if, if, if you don't mind. Um, I don't remember, this, this is probably definitely my faulty memory, but all I remember is like, well, first of all, you come to a new place. I don't know anything about Oakland. I'm looking for housing. I don't know where I should live, where I should, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And so I'm, I interviewed at um, McClyman's and I interviewed somewhere else. I'm running around to all these different schools and then I interview at Skyline. So I drive up to this like hill school. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And then it, it was a completely empty campus, just Mr. Trin. And he just walks me around the campus. I don't remember any specific questions about show me a lesson plan, like do this, <laughs> do that, nothing. We just walked around. We just had a conversation. And then he took me to the 60 building, opened the room and was like, so this would be your classroom. How does this look? That was it. That's all I remember. Oh, Trini, Trin, Trin. I think I accepted the job like that afternoon. Nice. Well, and so, and so to let the listeners know, Mr. Trin was um, an administrator at Skyline. And when Christine and I were administrators, Mr. Trin was the principal. Um, so that's who Mr. Trin is. Yeah, he, he's our mentor. I mean, yeah. I learned a lot from him. Absolutely. Learn 
learned a shitload from him. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm kind of laughing at it. But um, no, we got we got mad respect for uh, Trini Trin Trin. So Sarah, I, I just have to ask. The, the moment you arrived in the Bay, the moment you specifically arrived to Oakland, California, can you please tell us your, your, your first impression? I think it was such a whirlwind, especially how this entry into education through TFA works. Because actually, when I first got here, they're doing all the like onboarding and all that stuff. And they're like, sign this paperwork, write this check for your credential, like take this test uh-huh. that I don't remember much about it. And then we went down to LA to do our summer teaching and training. And then you came back and like the school year was starting, you were doing interviews, you were trying to find housing. So I don't, I don't really have really like concrete visceral memories because it was so focused on getting a teaching job and trying to like settle into a new area and just like get yourself grounded. So that does sound I, I like remember, a I, I moved into actually I moved into apartment in um right on the border of South Berkeley and and West North Oakland. But my friends moved in by Lake Merritt. So I do remember the Lake Merritt farmers market <laughs> a lot. I remember that and it just being like so beautiful and um so diverse in people but also in foods and like all the things so I do remember that nice I just remember it being very sunny and nice out all the time (laughs) so tell us then what what it was it like then to start teaching in Oakland and just give us a you know a quick kind of like what was your journey through OUSD now to your current position yeah teaching was hard but only because I feel like I wasn't ready to teach (laughs) Um, and I hadn't gotten the right type of training to teach that's really the only reason Um, teaching was hard but it was real a lot of fun and the colleagues at Skyline made it really easy um, because they had a setup to I think really support new teachers Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a joy. It was hard, you know, just like any teacher, the first couple of years getting off the ground. Um, but it was a joy to settle in. And like I said, I didn't know anybody here. So like work for me was definitely family. Um, and it is for, I think, a lot of people when you're working in, in a job that you devote so much of yourself to, like teaching mm-hmm. um, or like a community like Skyline with the teachers I got to teach with. But then also it was like, I don't know anybody else. So <laughs> I was lucky to, to have that. Um, and so Sarah, can you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. And could you speak more about that? Um, about how you said that Skyline has a setup for, to support new teachers. Could you, yeah. yeah. Could you speak on that? How did yeah. that look like? Or how did that look like? Yeah, I think it was definitely special with the ninth grade too, because I don't know if it was in the context of everything, a movement around, you know, small learning community. So I think what was happening around the time, I mean, I know what was going on. I don't know anything about like educational theories and things coming down the pipeline, but it, it was right for me. So we got to meet 
in our teams very often, which I, you know, have now found is extremely rare. It was built in to the system that I would get to meet at least three times a week, I would say, with uh, the teachers who taught other subject areas that we shared the same kids. So we would get to talk about how things were going um, with individual kids, how they were doing at a personal level, as well as um, how they were performing. And, and that was what's so cool, because if you were struggling with a kid, they were probably doing great in another class. And then you got to learn why that was, what connection, what or what pedagogy was like sparking their interest. And um, it was just a space also to professionally and personal, like personally check in as adults throughout the day. <laughs> and then you got to meet with your content teachers. Um, and since Skyline is big, you have a lot of collaborators because as I moved into other uh, positions supporting other teachers when they don't have someone who teaches the same thing as them at the school, it can be really isolating even more than teaching can already be the way we set it up. So at yeah. a big, large school at Skyline, not only do you have the teachers, but they set it up in a way that we got to meet with each other and just the fun of like pedagogy and creation of lessons, but doing it together so that um, you don't get too comfortable with like your status quo or, or what you're doing, you get really pushed and can have ongoing conversations. So it's very professionally rewarding as well. Instead of just sitting in your room, like writing your own lesson plan by yourself. So that helped um, sustain me and, and made me feel valued and, and part of a team versus just trying to do the thing by yourself. So I think that was the setup. Yeah, and I mean, and Christina, I want you to speak more on it too, but I just remember that being spe like special to Skyline and something that was really ingrained in the values of the school because even once I started there as an administrator, the master schedule was insane because we wanted to protect that collaboration. And so, but it was worth the extra time and energy because we saw what it produced and how, you know, supporting each other within one, your content area, but then two, just um, within those small learning communities, how you're really speaking across different um, subject areas to support students really did not only, you know, as staff, like as, you know, collaborators within your departments and as staff and as professionals, but you're really getting at some of the root causes that we were seeing with students. So I just, you know, I, I remember that and I, I don't think I've really seen something like that where there was so much collaboration happening. Yeah, I mean, it's, so to be specific, um, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, it, within the ninth grade team, um, the interdisciplinary team would meet. So they would eat, there were four houses and uh, each house had a common interdisciplinary collaboration period within the school hour, within the school uh, instructional minutes. And then, and then it rotated because every Tuesday, Thursday, then the ninth grade content area team. So, I mean, it's for, for those of you who run the uh, master schedule, just imagine you have 24 teachers 
that consisted of a math teacher, an English teacher, a biology, biology teacher, and a social studies teacher, where you have this matrix, excuse me, 16 teachers, and you have this matrix that switched between a Monday, Wednesday, Friday to a Tuesday, Thursday. But on top of that, to like even make it more complex is that you have to factor in uh, reading support classes, math support classes, special ed, ELD. So it's like you, you gotta assign certain teachers or certain students to, to a particular cohort or to a particular house. And so, I mean, that, that took a lot of time, that took a lot of collaboration. And, you know, that's, we really valued collaboration. Uh, and we saw the importance of it, uh, not only for the students, I mean, the number one reason had to be for the students. But I think secondly too, just even as a former ninth grade teacher at Skyline, I, like I feel you, Sarah, like it, it was definitely, um, it, it, it was a support system. And, and, and I believe that because of that support system that was in place in the master schedule, many teachers stayed there longer because that was in place. And, and, it, and, and I feel like um, I, I've, we've had a number of Teach for America or TFA teachers there where, where they had colleagues placed at other, school, at other schools. And I know that they would talk back and forth and they, were, they would say stuff like, oh my gosh, like I wish we had that at our school because I, I, I would love that support. Yeah, and it definitely, you know, a lot of memories are coming up right now, but we also had like the advisory structure. So, you know, mm. the memories of friendly competitions, Christina, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, don't need, I don't need to flex, but yes, my advisory won. <laughs> They didn't think we had a chance, but we won. Um, so just the it just brings the joy and the the familial, like the family aspect to it because the teachers really know each other and um, the students really get to know each other and you know what they're learning in other classes and it, and it's really a conversation about growth and learning more than like we're getting through this lesson taking this yeah. test. like it, it created those types of of vibes. I mean, there's definitely things. Um, always, what's the beauty of education, you can do better, but um, it was great. I was reminded also of like another memory, like coming to the Skyline was like when you, Skyline looks like the campus of, and a lot of Oakland schools looks like a campus of what you see in like high school movies. <laughs> like So growing up as a kid, like if you watch movies where kids are going to high school, it doesn't look like the schools you go to always. And like, uh, cold weather it looks like these open walking from yeah. building to building each lunch outside on picnic tables so that that's cracking me up now remembering like being skyline I was like oh this looks like all the movies about high school that I <laughs> so I, um, I feel like so I, I I need to say this because I feel like Sarah is not going to say it because she is such a humble person um you know, I think the, the, the support system that the structural support system that was in place at Skyline, it, it, it's definitely a, a reason why 
um, certain teachers feel supported. But I, I feel like that's just a part of the reason. I feel like another reason why is because you, you have educators like Sarah. So just to let y'all know that Sarah, when I first met Sarah, it was probably a year before I became an administrator. So I, I was already I was already a veteran teacher when I met Sarah. And like, I don't know, Sarah was like 21, 22. I think, I don't remember. And like, I was already very impressed with her. And it was like, like she was very, she was just a very reflective person, like always willing to learn, always willing to like contribute. And she did it because she knew that was like the right thing to do. Not because she knew an administrator was gonna come and check the meeting notes or, or a formal evaluation or informal evaluation walkthrough was gonna happen. No, like she she just did, she just always wanted to make her lesson plans, her her instructional um, execution better for, for the students. And so when I became an administrator there and I uh, was in charge of the ninth grade program, Sarah became uh, the department chair. Sarah became a lead teacher. I created a, a position for Sarah so she could be um, a TOSA or TSA, whatever y'all want to call it, teacher on special assignment. So that way she could do curriculum writing for the ninth grade science team, but at the same time, help me support incoming teachers not just in the ninth grade team but like new teachers at skyline high school she did such an amazing job at that that she practically she like after a couple of years or so she became a, a tosa district level and she started writing curriculum science curriculum for the district then she became a grant writer and now it's like I, I don't. I know I've asked you this many times before. Now you work at this other district position that has something to do in West Oakland. But my whole point is, is that you know, if you want to talk about loyalty, and and, and you you want to talk about teacher retention, mm -hmm. like Sarah is your ultimate dream educator that any AP or principal would want at their school site, that any district administrator would want at their school, at, at, in their school district. Cause Sarah, you've been, you've only worked for one district for OUSD. I think you're like on your 11th year. And That's it's, right. you know, and, and, and not to like put me in a lean out, like I'm not trying to like, call us out and we will have a podcast on it but Aline and I have moved seven times uh -huh. we got our reasons but still though like to know that people like you like Oakland needs people like you and you know what people could say whatever they want about Teach for America I know that you're a Teach for America person and um but I, I don't care if you're a TFA, 
San Jose State, UC Berkeley. I don't care what credential program. Like you're you're official, Sarah. Like for real. And I think that's why, like you're one of my really, really, really good friends. Because I, I, I don't make no new friends at school. Like I'm cool with people professionally, but I'm like the people that I become hella close to at the school site where you know my personal business, where we go on road trips together, where you go to my, my birthday parties and you meet my family, you meet my high school friends, you meet my middle school friends. I only do that with colleagues if I respect you 100% as, as a person, as a homie, and first and foremost, as an educator. Because if I don't respect you as an educator, I'm not, I'm not gonna even go, no. So, also, I, sorry, but, I, I just have to like, well, no, and that, and I, I feel like Sarah's not going to say that stuff. Well, of course I, she's not going to say that, but at the same time, you know, it's, she is amazing. And I, I kind of want to hear from Sarah to say like, so what is the process that you go through to engage in reflection and to, you know, put in the work that's necessary, um, you know, to one, be loyal to a district that we, you know, we have a special place in our heart for, um, but just, yeah, what's your process there? What are some things that keep you going? How do you reflect? How do you engage in this work? That's hard work. Yeah, well, there's a lot there I could respond to. And I got to say first, it's all about paying it back, paying it forward. So the reason I had a lot to learn, I had a lot to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues at Skyline, my teachers, you know, Macalino being one of them, that's how you learn. And so I have a lot of guidance and a lot of mentors that, you know, show me the way. And then I love to take notes. So that's always good. <laughs> I love to take notes. Your <laughs> notes are a, an artwork. <laughs> yeah, I love your notes. Art form. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think some of those, those skills and those things that I like to do make it really difficult for me to be a classroom teacher, which is what I've realized over the years is, and I, it, I couldn't find the balance between my style of like creating things and what it meant to, to show up every day, like for kids, like I'm a little obsessive about the systems and the structures. And that made it really hard to be a classroom teacher and like roll with the creativity and the flexibility. And for a long time, you know, I thought I can just unlearn that. There are other things that I needed to get better at. And, you know, ultimately I could have put the work in, but as like Christina mentioned, some of the things that I tapped into, and, and that's another reason that sustains people is I think leadership pathways. So not only did Skyline have the collaboration structures for adults to engage with each other on a really like deep intellectual and professional level, they had other opportunities to like push yourself um, that were small and bite-sized versus, you know, being thrust in I've heard somebody use the term like default leadership, like, well, you're the only one left. So like, you're the, you're the admin now, you know, like Skyline had a place for you to play around with different things that you could do to serve the school besides just your classroom, you know, to make it, to make the holistic experience for kids and staff, like a more, a more joyful place, a more beautiful place. Um, and so that was sustaining to me. And what that made me realize is I, I really enjoyed working with adults. And I thought I was like really good at it, which was kind of like surprising. And it's, I never get rid of the guilt for like leaving the classroom. And I don't know why, because I know I'm better 
at what I do now. I had a lot of skills that made me like a decent teacher, but I honestly think I do better for serving students by working with adults. And so um, I guess the reflective process is what sustained, like this is, this is the things that sustain me. Conversation, I really like enjoy the intellectual stimulation. You know, I wanted to pursue science, but in education is just a different science than, you know, me going out and like measuring water samples all day. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's experimenting constantly about what works and what doesn't and analyzing those results. So I became really at peace in education that because it fulfilled what I love about science, which is what I pursued you know, like with a degree. And so just spaces for that, um, spaces for exploration and, and being pushed by whether it's a colleague or, you know, in the hierarchy, a supervisor is what sustains me. And yeah, I don't know if I have like a formulaic reflective process. So I don't, I, I would be like, I don't reflect enough or make the space for it. But then I think actually my brain never stops. Like, you know, it can be hard to fall asleep sometime when you mm -hmm. really love what you do. And so, yeah, I guess that's how I, I, I think about that. Nice. So tell us a little bit more about your current position before you know, we wrap up and go into our, our short and sweet questions at the end. But um, tell us more about your your current position and kind of what you're striving to do within that position now. Yeah, I, sometimes I feel like a walking advertisement with the current position because of like this new concept that, well, it's not new, but what OUSD is trying to do around um, rethinking school lunch was kind of the branding of the initiative for many years. Um, but OUSD built a, a new central kitchen and that also has an instructional farm and an education center. And it's really inspired, it's been like over a decade in the making. So there's been people that have been involved in the process since the beginning. So I just can't imagine, you know, just being only in my 11th year, which is also kind of sometimes long, <laughs> but you know, sometimes short, just depends on perspective of whose career you're looking at. But um, yeah, so as people have stuck through with this project, which is amazing. And so it's supposed to serve healthier, fresher, more local meals um, in all of the, the schools. So a state-of-the-art kitchen, which is kind of supposed to be one of a kind for a school production kitchen. And so it'll pump out 35,000 meals a day. And then wow. they realized from the studies, yeah, it's a lot, um, that even if you change like a school menu for kids, they won't necessarily like their behavior won't change to participate in it and eat it. Um, and it's things they've studied in other districts like, like Berkeley Unified with their edible schoolyards and everything, Alice Waters is like, if it, you actually involve kids more in learning and getting able to grow the food um, and learn about it in like a really deep authentic way, like they will eat the food as well. So, um, makes a lot of sense sometimes the answer is the simplest answer but so they also thought we're really thoughtful about building a huge outdoor instructional space that has garden beds and an outdoor kitchen and hopefully we'll eventually have a farm and um they put three classrooms one being like a kitchen you know so kids can learn culinary skills and cook up what they harvest in the garden and in a in a perfect world every school would have this this up you know and a yeah. lot of schools do um 
most of schools in OUSD have gardens, you know, um, but they don't all have the space where kids can like really investigate their cooking skills. I mean, you don't need to get fancy. You can do that outside too. But um, so my position is education coordinator. So I'm going to support uh, the development and, you know, the community investment in a K-12 education program there. So field trips, work-based learning, tons of stuff. It's, it's a really exciting opportunity, but it's very, it's a big responsibility. And this kitchen is in West Oakland, correct? That's right. It is on the former Marcus Foster campus. Uh, so 29th mm. and, and West right there. Yeah. So I, before we ask you our wrap up questions, I, I, I have to ask you one more. Yeah. Um, Please speak on equity, and it's just kind of racing in me right now because it's like, I just, I mean, at your your position, just like what you said that you're you're teaching, or you notice that the students that you could provide the food, but then the the buy-in of eating of actually eating and participating in it, 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 it can't happen or necessarily happen unless they're being taught or involved. And then on top of that, it is in West Oakland. Mm -hmm. It just sounds like a very, um, I, I don't know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because West Oakland looks totally different, by the way. I mean, just from like the whole gentrification process. Oh yeah, so I would to have like this, right. <laughs> And so when I see a bunch of strollers and, you know, people walking their dogs with Chihuahua and Pitbull and there's a lot of art stuff. And then you got this big old kitchen, this state-of-the-art kitchen. So could you just speak on equity? Which, by the way, I feel like you are like, that's you. That's been you. You've been practicing it. We probably didn't name it or label it back at Skyline just yet, but you've been doing that. But could you just speak on your work on equity or your your approach on equity um, with your current position? Yeah. Um, well, for me, it can be tough because I think there's a lot of like quick fixes you can say like you're doing and, and whatnot to, to work to equity I mean my approach I've been in the job since October but like pretty much all I've been doing is is interviews this whole time and it's it's hard for me because I'm like I gotta do something you're a teacher you're like gotta bring the people together we gotta learn something can't mm -hmm. just talk all the time so yeah I'll be throwing in like random things my boss be like you need to stop you need to write the implementation plan you need to stop having this virtual cooking class. What are you doing? <laughs> but um, yeah, I've just been interviewing people and just talking um, because I think it's really important. Uh, it's a wide spectrum of people who know, even know if you say we're, it's referred to as the center right now. But if you say that, it's like a really, you're going to get a response like, what is that? Um, all the way to like, oh, yep, I was there 10 years ago and they said it was gonna happen. So I've been trying to understand where everybody feel, like how 
both the emotional side of it, how they feel about it. Do they feel like what they asked for in the center didn't get heard now that it's been built and they're wary of how it will serve the district equitably or, and um, I've talked to people that haven't heard of it yet. And you're like, why don't we know about this? This is wonderful. This is great. I want to, is it a place for me? Is it, you know, so my approach to it right now has been to review a lot of the stakeholder engagements that have happened up through the last 10 years as, you know, as much as was documented. And then I've just been talking to people and trying to build the trust that they believe that the center will be for them and that they can be a part, have a role and a part in, in, in um, creating what it can be, if, if that makes sense, you know? So it's a lot of repairing of trust, hopefully, you know, with some people and then bringing other people on board. And so that's been my approach for the many first months of the job, which is challenging when you're being pushed to start the programming and fulfill this very grand vision for uh, the educational community programming aspects. But that's been my approach. Just talking, listening, hoping people know that it, it can be for them and they wanna be a part of the work. Uh, Cause I think a lot of people feel burned sometimes by initiatives that roll through. Mm -hmm. And it is the priority for that program, like first and foremost, to cater to the West Oakland community and school? Yes, I think that's a big part of it. There's definitely a push for it to be district-wide and support district-wide programming, but how, when, what will that look like equitably? And mm -hmm. I can speak generally to it, but you know, when I have ideas about it, which you know, I can have ideas, that doesn't really matter. I gotta talk to the West Oakland schools and see what they envision and what they want. Um, sure. But one of the one of the things I see is, you know, we it might serve um, kids throughout the district, but um, West Oakland students might have ongoing stewardship, right? Like they would more own the space and really feel like it's it's a home place for them. But that doesn't mean we don't it's not welcoming to the rest of the district. And I think what's neat though is that like Castlemont already has this, like they already have a farm. They already and they did it, mm. you know with the community ground, like just groundswell of support, grassroots approach. And so I think what's interesting too, is to be like, you know, the, the farm of the East, farm of the West, like it, it's Ooh. beautiful, beautiful yeah. everywhere. And um, center is getting a lot of attention right now, but it already exists over there in, in the East. So um, there's a lot of opportunities for thinking about the unique context of both neighborhoods while still uplifting and providing the resources that are needed needed to like do this type of programming for for the kids. So, yeah, I, I love that the whole farm to the east, farm to the west. Me too. Well, why don't we get into our? I don't know what we're gonna call it. We still gotta figure that part out because Christina <laughs> wants to do like our rapid fire questions because we listen to a lot of podcasts and we just like the end to kind of you know give us some, some some fun responses um uh, so i'll have christina start it okay it could be so, it could be hot seat you know like we used to play seat. at happy hour all the time oh my god <laughs> hot seat. Hot seat. 
we will take that into consideration. <laughs> so Sarah, um, tell us some, a book you read that empowered you either personally and or professionally. Yes. I think I got to do everything that's been both most recent, just because I feel like my memory has been failing. But um, most recent, I read a biography of Ella Baker because she was showing up like quoted and um, referenced in a lot of organizing books. And I was like, I got to go to the source. So nice. Okay. So what's a current podcast that empowered or inspired you? You know, I fail on the podcast. I <laughs> sign up for every single one. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm a listen to this when I walk. And I just, I have a really hard time sticking with those. So I don't have an answer for that. I have been listening to this one. And what I love about this one is just the conversational aspect of it. I just love listening to the conversation. So I have listened to to this one. Um, but other than that, I, I always have aspirations, but don't follow through on the podcast listening. All good. Okay, so now how about a movie or a show that empowered or empowered you? I was a Marvel hater for so long <laughs> and I have uh, converted. So I've been watching all the Marvel movies and recently watched Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel and that was great. That was very empowering and a lot of fun. So um I'm tapping more into the Marvel and the backstories and, and history of, of all these characters and what they mean. And then um, tell us about a colleague that empowered or, or inspired you, either a past colleague or a current colleague. This one's so hard because it's every day. Every day I'm talking to someone that's teaching me something new. Um, helping me, you know, helping me, um, inspiring me. So it's really tough. One, one did come to mind, a teacher that I was coaching last year, and I'm just realizing how much I miss our conversations. And every time we would be done, I was like, I don't know what I'm giving her. Like, she don't need me. Like, I don't know what she's getting out of this relationship. But I think that's what empowered me because she kept asking me to come back, you know, and we were helping each other. And so I was thinking about her because I miss. I'm not coaching. I heard that coaching, coaching in quotes, because like I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> she didn't need me, but I'm missing her. Uh, but really, it's it's every day. Nice. So tell us um, one thing you did pre-COVID for self-care. Mm-hmm. Pre-COVID, um, I like to see my family, and so <laughs> that's been hard because they live in Minnesota, no Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> but um I don't know my, my self-care routine hasn't changed much yeah so what I mean what's something then that you do even during COVID time for self-care just um outdoor uninterrupted outdoor time whether I like to sit at Alameda Beach and just stare at the water that's nice um or just hikes but just yeah being outside and then I also shelter in place really helped me establish and stick to a routine that I've now made pretty, pretty sacred, like a morning routine that just really gets me in the right mindset for the day. So that is something that has been new that I kind of always started, but with the chaos of the world, um, I mean, it's chaotic now, but 
with all the horribleness of COVID, it has been a slowing down in a way and and space for reflection for a lot of us, I hope. And that has allowed me to create a routine that I now hold sacred. So that's been cool. Thanks. You guys can't see us right now because um, obviously this is a podcast, but Christina and I both got huge smiles because we've also have been implementing some like morning routines and um, finding how much that helps us ground ourselves in the day and, you know, put ourselves in that mindset. So we're there with you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Well, with that said, Thank you so much, Sarah, for being our first guest, for engaging in this conversation with us. We always enjoy just being in the same space and hearing about, one, all the amazing things that you're doing through OUSD, um, but just, you know, being a co-conspirator with you and feeling really, you know, supported and also just wanting to support your work. So I'm really excited to see the day that we can go to the center we can finally, you know, be there in person. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah. The launch party. You guys are there. We're there. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I, I mean, I practically live in West Oakland. So I, I feel like this is something that I should support. Jack London's considered West Oakland, right? I mean, not. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'll get to tell you no, but... <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that'll be on our next podcast episode. (laughs) No, but for real, Sarah, we look forward to having you back another time. Um, But thanks again for for being here with us. Yeah, and thank you. I think it's a really rare opportunity, but it hasn't been rare for me because I've had you ladies leading the way for me ever since I got here. So thanks for the reflective space. Thank you, Miss Pipping. Pip- Pipping and easy. Thanks, yeah, that's guys. right. <laughs> Thank right you. Till, till next time, everyone. Thank you. Bye. 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 So we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod. Check out our content and DM us. Also, please help us grow and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thank you. Looking forward to next time. Bye.